Thank you all. Would you join me in the prayer for illumination? Sovereign God, you have established your rule over the human heart, not by force, but by the servant example of Jesus Christ. Move us by your spirit to join this joyful procession of those who confess Christ Jesus with their tongues and praise them with their lives. Amen. The scripture for today is Mark 16, 1 through 8. New Standard Revised Version is what I'm sharing with you. Find it in your pew Bible if you want to. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a few, a few weeks ago, three, I think to be accurate, um, we started a journey together of reading the Gospel of Mark, five minutes at a time, one chapter at a time, uh, looking at Monday through Friday to read, and then Saturday and Sunday to reflect. There were reminders on Facebook and encouragement for you to reflect on it. We even gave you a, a couple of steps, right? Do you remember those steps to uh, pray first, then to read the passage looking for just the facts, right? If you need to rewrite the passage or uh, say it to somebody in your own words, and then we said, poke holes in it. What questions do you have about what you've just read? And then, if you'd like to, go and find some of those answers about culture or archaeology or practices so that you can have a better understanding of what's happening in the story. And then we went from preaching to meddling. Do you remember? We went from just understanding the story as it exists out there, and instead we said, um, tell us, who do you think you are in that story? And there was one rule, you couldn't be Jesus, right? I mean, yes, we should um, consider what would Jesus do in our lives, but when reading scripture, we should think, how are we affected by Jesus and what Jesus is doing? And then the last one was, how have you been changed by reading this passage today. And sometimes that's hard for us to answer. So I'd say, how will you live differently after reading that passage? 
And so um, when I looked back uh, a couple of years ago when we took a whole church survey on discipleship, do you remember that? We called it Reveal, and we did it in the first uh, quarter, I think, of 2018. Um, we asked the question, how many of us read the Bible daily for reflection? Essentially what we've been doing over the last three weeks. And 20%, one out of five, said that they do that regularly. I wonder if we could just take a quick survey. There's no forced sharing, of course, if you've ever been in one of my classes. But um, raise your hand if you have read, in the last three weeks, one chapter of Mark. Nice, that's a pretty good distribution. Leave your hands up. No, 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 go with me here. How many of you read at least a week's worth, maybe all not on the same day, one week's five. All right, we're getting the drop off. Okay, good. Um, and how many are just so excited? You can put your hands down. How many of you are so excited that there's one week left that you're going to read it all in the next five days? No, no, don't. okay, yeah, it's good. I, I like it. You know, you get excited, right? So here we are at the end of the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter sixteen verses one through eight. Now, some of you are gonna say, Pastor, that's not the whole ending of Mark. And I'd say, great, you have a hole to poke already, right? If you read further into chapter 16, you get what's called the shorter ending and the longer ending. And we're not gonna uh, dice it all up here today, but most scholars say that the most authentic part uh, ending of Mark is at uh, the end of verse eight, they call it 8a which ends with, they were scared and told no one. Now, we can get into the um, interesting pieces of that, because if they were scared and they told no one, how are you and I here today? Think about that, it'll hit you in the parking lot, right? Um, and the shorter ending is really well-intentioned, right? Somebody went, oh my goodness, you know, you forgot the last page, Right? The shorter ending says, and all that had been commanded them, they told briefly to those around Peter. And afterwards, Jesus himself sent out through them from east to west, the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Full stop for a moment. Mark doesn't use big words. And did you hear those four big words right at the end, right? How did they describe the gospel? The sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. That's your first cue that somebody went, the dog ate my homework, right? And then the longer ending um, is about 10 more verses. And it's almost like they did their homework pretty well to make it sound like Mark. What I want to spend time today is talking about chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. And because I really think the process of reading scripture is important, I want to invite you to join me as we pray. Almighty God, as we read scripture today, open our eyes, open our ears, most importantly, open our minds that we might see, hear, and experience what you want us to see today so that we don't just read for information, but that we read for transformation. Help us to say, take one more step closer to your heart today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's do really quickly, right? I'm gonna uh, engage you here. When the Sabbath was over 
Now, you're thinking about um, how to rephrase the story. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought, brought, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw the, tomb, uh, the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled, fled, fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So the story, the women got together to prepare Jesus' body for burial, to anoint him. It could be because they wanted to um, give some embalming effect. It could be because they wanted to honor him as a prophet and the savior, right? Anointing, remember Messiah means anointed. And they get there and there's a, a young man dressed all in white. There's your first clue as to who this is, right? And he's sitting on the right side. Is that right? They, they, they really, there's no lefties in this story. Let's see. Um, when they looked up, they saw this and they were alarmed. They said to them, a young man dressed in white, where was it? Oh, yeah, there it is. Sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Okay, so I thought they mentioned right twice, which I thought would be really interesting. Somebody's overly emphasizing the right side of the tomb. And then as we continue to go down, right, they were worried about the stone being rolled away, but they didn't have to worry about that. They were just worried about nothing. And then um, the, the guy says, wow, don't be alarmed. Another word, don't be amazed. This is not amazing. Let me show you something that is amazing. You can go find Jesus in Galilee, right, where he um, said that he would meet you, right? I don't remember where that comes up in Scripture, but it's interesting, right? Um, and he says, uh, he has been raised he is not here. Um, and actually the Greek there with he has been raised, um, it's really, um, it's a divine, uh, divine imperative, which means um, God did the raising. So it's not just like he just randomly got raised, but rather Jesus's plan, or God's plan was to raise Jesus. And um, yeah, and then tells him to go and tell uh, his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled. That's a word I want to make sure we hear, fled. Do you flee to tell people good news? Oh, you're not going to laugh with me. Come on. I mean, you flee, you know, from the haunted house, right? You flee from the ghost that's coming to get you. You don't flee to go people, to, you know, to sing an Easter hymn to them, Right? Do you remember in the 70s? He is alive. He is alive. He is alive, right? Yeah, you don't flee to sing that song. All right. And then um, uh, fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. Have you ever had both those emotions at once? 
terror and amazement? Anybody nodding your head yes or no? I can't see where you are yet. I get, okay, yeah. Well, of course, the, the guy who's a first responder, terror and amazement. That makes total sense, Chad, right? In our house, um, we sometimes feel like our feelings get mooshed together, right? Um, it's a word that I like, mooshed. Um, and uh, so there have been times when we have been scared and excited all at once. Can I name some of those for you? First day of school. First Sunday at a new appointment. Uh, walking down the wedding aisle. Scared, but excited, right? So maybe this is what the women are feeling. There's some apprehension and excitement. So what are some holes that you've poked into this story already? Anybody wonder who rolled the stone away? You're so quiet. I feel like I need to throw out the plan and do a different plan here. Do you wonder who's the young man in white? Any names? Titles? Positions? What? Gabriel, an angel? Yeah. That's right. Uh, nine times out of ten, in the Bible, when an angel comes up to you, they say, do not be afraid. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, uh, why does the angel say, do not be amazed? I mean, I gave you my interpretation there. It's like, let me show you something that's really amazing, right? Do not be amazed. I don't know. I mean, if the teacher that I'd followed around for three years, that I'd seen, um, uh, you know, turn the water into wine, to raise the dead to life, to heal the lepers, give sight to the blind, um, who taught me all that I knew about my relationship with God, this one who was crucified on the cross and here is absent from his tomb, I'd be pretty amazed, right? Why were the women so terrified? And if the women told no one, how did people hear the story? What really happened to tell the rest of us? Any holes that you poked that you were wondering about? This is like one of the few times we get audience participation in the midst of the sermon, right? Anything? Yell it out. We, we can be casual. Not right now? Okay. We can talk later, all right? Right, right. Is it a hole if you already know the answer? If you know the answer, that's good, because if I don't know the answer, I don't look really smart, right? Okay. And then next, um, I really think, next you have to move into that question of, uh, who am I in this story? Who am I in this story? Now the rules around who you can be in the story is you don't get to be the divine agent or Jesus. And if the guy on the right side of the tomb is an angel dressed all in white, you don't get to be him. Who are we letting? And there's no bystanders. I know some of you have picked bystander every chapter that you've read, and that's nice. <laughs> there's no bystanders here. All that's left is these three women. And these aren't just three random women off the street. This is Jesus' mother. This is Mary of Magdalene who is a, you know, you remember the story about Martha and Mary and, you know, Martha's doing too much and, uh, or I'm sorry, Martha accuses Mary of not doing enough. 
you know, all, all while Lazarus gets sick and dies? That's, that's them, you know. If you were looking for like, you know, um, the, uh, the Jesus pack, it was uh, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. And so that's who we get to be. And I really think what Mark is doing here, Mark didn't let the dog eat his homework. I don't think Mark um, forgot the last page. I don't think anyone stole it or ran off with it. I, I don't think, um, you know, some scribe in the medieval times said, boo, we don't like that ending, and so they wrote another one. No, what I really think happens in Mark chapter 16, 1 to 8, is that Mark wants to emphasize what it means to be a disciple. And he does it with a negative example, right? He says, here are the women, these women who knew Jesus so personally, who had walked with him, that if they were gonna, you know, if we were gonna open up the list of disciples, which I think we probably should, we'd add these three ladies to that list of disciples, right? I know it's controversial to say that there are 15 disciples instead of 12, but go with me on it. Because these women knew, they knew. But in that moment, they were afraid. They're terrified. It was a new thing, sure, but it was a terrifying thing. And so they fled. And Mark wants to highlight that in these moments of faith, in these opportunities to testify, in these times when we are wondering how will we live differently, Mark wants to say, don't be afraid. I think Mark's other message is to say, hey, it's more than just about you. I mean, somehow the message got out. Somehow the resurrection is celebrated. Somehow you and I find ourselves not celebrating Christmas in July, but Easter in October for today. How in the world did the message get out? It's because it's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's about this good news this good news of liberation, this good news of freedom, this good news of God sending his son because he so loved the world that he wanted to save you and I, not to judge us or punish us, but rather to adopt us and give us new life. When you start grappling with this story, you come to your own realization that, yeah, it is terrifying And sometimes we have to get over that terrifying fear and step out. Most of the times that I've been terrified of something, I just needed to take that first step. First time I gave a sermon, I I was eating Tums like they were candy, right? But all it took was kind of that first prayer and that first illustration, and I felt at home. Think for you about those times and places where you were anxious to do something, that you were worried if it would come out well, that you were terrified to get there. And as you pushed through that terror, you found a place of comfort. You realized it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. You realized that the stone would be rolled away, that Jesus would be resurrected, that, that look, that, that's right where he laid and he's not there anymore. I hope that during this time of reading Mark, whether it's slowly over the last three weeks or very fast over the next week, pick your hard, that's what we say at our house, it can be hard over three weeks or it can be hard over one week, right? That when you're done, 
you begin to get to a place where you see how Jesus reacts and interacts with others. Notice that Jesus never judges or shames or punishes people who shouldn't know better. Let me say that again. Uh, When Jesus goes to the uh, well at noon and the woman at the well is there, he doesn't judge her for having had multiple husbands, for having been divorced, for um, being ashamed of her family, right? No. He welcomes her, and they have a really powerful conversation. But go back and read that story in John where um, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, and Jesus says, dude, that's my paraphrase, Um, says, dude, you're supposed to be in charge of teaching the nation of Israel about God, and you don't even know what it means to be born again, right? The people that Jesus um, speaks harshly to are not the people who don't understand. They're the people who are responsible to teach others. Hopefully, in reading through the Gospel of Mark, you've gotten this clear idea of Jesus' love for people, um, Jesus' power um, against evil, um, Jesus' willingness to go the extra mile. And by learning those things, we slowly journey closer to the heart of God. We don't read for information. I mean, Yes, uh, Mark uses, I think, immediately, like 13 times, but who really wants to know that? I mean, that never wins at a cocktail party when I show up, right? We don't want to read for information. We want to read for transformation. And I think the best transformation happens slowly over time. It's being immersed in Scripture every time. It's reflecting on who we are in that story. And then it's thinking how we might be different. Friends, I think the message from Mark is really helpful for us today. In a world that is so me-centered, in a world that is so divided, um, the, you know, you're either with us or against us, in a world where we can get in an argument over the simplest things, what is it like for us not to be afraid and to share the gospel of Jesus with anyone we come in contact with? And sometimes, you know that old phrase, um, you know, preach the gospel everywhere, use words if necessary, we might really help ourselves. I'm not so sure that people need more words. I think what people need to see and experience is credible people of faith, reading scripture, praying for others, and living a good life. That may be far more evangelistic than anything else we might do today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.